Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I want to thank everyone for joining us this morning. I'm joined by our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 as we look at the throne scene as depicted here uh, in, in chapter 4. Jeremy's going to be preaching on this scene uh, Sunday morning. And this is a, a scene that we see in, in other places throughout Scripture. I think Revelation 4 is probably the most uh, well-known uh, part where this, is, where this throne scene is, is depicted. But certainly we see that in other places as well, so we may be referencing some of those as we go along this morning. But we're going to take a few minutes just to kind of examine uh, the imagery that's used here and, and really what it should mean to us today as Christians when we go back and we read through this. So Jeremy, why don't you uh, kick us off? You've been studying this in your Bible class as well as preparing to preach uh, on this topic. So when you look at, at Revelation chapter 4 and what John sees here, uh, wh- where do you want to go with the conversation this morning? I think first we'll just set up context a little bit. E- even though we're right here in Revelation chapter 4, in a lot of ways this is kind of the beginning of what John is going to see, kind of the, the vision that really will play out from this point to the very end of the book of Revelation. The first couple of chapters will center around you know, letters to the seven churches. We've referenced those and, and may have opportunity to do that even more in the future. The letters that are written to these seven different churches and some things that they needed to work on, some things that they were doing well, uh, some things super applicable in every way. And now when you get into, into chapter four, this, this picture now is being unveiled for John and he's going to see lots of things moving forward in the book of Revelation. But I love where it starts here in Revelation four. This picture of almost a door opening up and him being invited, invited into heaven to, to kind of come up here and see. And that's, you know, right here in Revelation, you know, chapter 4 and verse 1, you have that. I heard, a, you know, a voice like a trumpet speaking, come up here and I'll show you the things that will take place after this. And, you know, it almost reminds me of other places throughout Scripture, even especially Jesus himself, where he'll almost use that invitation that, mm-hmm. you know, come, come and check it out. Come and, yeah. come and follow me. Come right. all you who labor are and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I mean, you have that that invitation kind of given by Jesus a lot, and you almost see that right here is John being invited. Just c- come up here. L- let me show you something up here. And, and he does, and he he is there in heaven in the throne room, and the, the description here is pretty spectacular. It, it is completely spectacular. I can only imagine what you know, John must have been thinking as he as he sees this. I think I think one of the the cool parts about this, you know, there, there's so much specific imagery that's used here, and we will certainly get into some of that and and what it should uh, conjure up in our minds as we read through that. But I think one of the the first things that always hits me when I read this or, you know, we'll talk a little bit about it. A similar scene is depicted in Ezekiel chapter 1 as Ezekiel is shown something very similar. I think one of the things that stands out to me about uh, descriptions like this is that one of the purposes is simply to put us in awe right. of God. 
And just to try and put ourselves in that situation and realize, yeah, there's a time and place for figuring out what each of these different images represent and the numbers that are used and what they represent. And certainly there's some importance to that. But I think the first thing that should hit us is just how awesome it must be to be in the presence of God. And that, that should just floor us to just be able to sit back and think that, wow, one day, one day I'm going to have the opportunity to be in the presence of God. And I get a brief physical description of something spiritually waiting for me that is going to blow my mind. And to just be consumed by the awe that God's presence brings upon us. That is something that I think is important for a Christian. To just, to just sit with that from time to time and just be in awe of God and to be in awe of what he has and who he is and what he looks like and what his throne looks like. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I think you're on the money with it. You know, sometimes we can get wrapped up. Even in this passage here in Revelation chapter 4, you made mention a similar passage in Ezekiel chapter 1. Heavy on imagery, yeah. heavy on like these things. You know, the word like is mm-hmm. found here in, the, in this mm-hmm. chapter a lot. And that kind of gives us an idea that, that John is trying to, he's trying to describe something in terms of, that we can understand. Yeah. And so he's going to describe it that it's like this and it's like that. And sometimes we can get wrapped up in what those, li- what those likes mm-hmm. are instead of, you know, taking a step back and, and just being in awe of the wonder that is standing before yeah. sitting, you know, before John as he, he, as he sees this. Now, I think we can tackle some of those things yeah. and we can have an understanding about what some of these things kind of represent, but we should never lose sight about just the generalized wonder that's sitting here before him. You know, we, Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4, very similar passages. Isaiah chapter 6 is mm-hmm. another passage. It goes in a little bit different direction because there's much more of the conversation between, you know, God there right. and Isaiah. But it still is filled with that wonder. You know, I saw the one sitting on the throne high and lifted up mm-hmm. and talking about the train that, you know, of his robe that would just billow is everywhere. And so that picture is given, you know, to us. But it is the way that Isaiah responds mm-hmm. that is a key component, you know, to there to that chapter. But Ezekiel 1 in Revelation chapter 4, it's not necessarily how John responds to it. It is much more the picture that he's given to us. And it's one that I think sometimes we lose sight of. You know, sometimes when we think about God, we're often talking about the importance of being, you know, we need to talk about God, and we need to talk to others about God, and we need to love God, and we need to be all about God, and all of that is right. And sometimes we're so much on that side of things, we need to be working for God, mm-hmm. and we're so much on the side of, the, of those things, we lose sight of the importance of just simply worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And that's what Revelation yeah. 4, and really Revelation 5, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the same scene given to us in those two chapters, and it is in every way about worshiping the one on the throne, Mm -hmm. and I think we need to be reminded of that. I think when we see something like this, where we see these physical descriptions that really challenge our imagination to even conjure up what they look like, I mean, you could could Google Revelation 4, and you'll find hundreds upon hundreds of artists' renderings of what this must look like. But I think when we start to try and, and we, we realize 
that John here through the Holy Spirit is, is assigning physical representations to something that is truly indescribable at the end of the day. That, I think that's the point he's trying to make here. He's going to such extremes and extravagance to make the point that being in the presence of God is truly indescribable. I'm going to do the best that I can to give you an idea, but what I'm telling you is that you can't possibly imagine what it's going to be like. And that, I think, is so cool when, when even you know, our, our minds reach their limit, so to speak, mm. in terms of what we're able to understand when it comes to the presence of God. And we've seen this in other places. You know, you go back even to the Old Testament where, you know, whether it's Moses on Mount Sinai, I think there's some allusion to that here as well, or whether it's Ezekiel or some of the other prophets, when they're, when they're in the presence of God, it's just overwhelming. Like time and time again, when, when we're told about someone being in the presence of God, oftentimes the reaction to that is they fall on their face. Right. Because it's just, it's overwhelming in every way. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize here is that when you are in the presence of God, it goes beyond what your mind can even imagine. It is just so awe-inspiring. It is overwhelming in every sense. And I think when we start to realize that, that, that the physical world it can't even give us an adequate description of what it would be like to be at the throne of God, man, that, that is faith-building in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it brings us to the point of being in truly, truly in awe of God and who He is. And I think it really just helps us better understand God's power and God's, uh, God's ability to, to go beyond what our minds can understand, to see His power and His nature uh, described in this light. Yeah, and it is His power and His authority on full display here. And, you know, probably before we get into kind of some of these de- descriptive things, I think it would be good for us to, you know, kind of recognize, I mean, when you think about the grand scheme of especially the book of Revelation, you know, it's written to a, a group of people who are going to be enduring a lot of persecution Mm -hmm. and a lot of difficulty at a time in which their physical world will seemingly be in complete control by the Roman government. And in every way, they are in control of all things. And if they want to do terrible things to Christians, that's going... And this book will kind of let them know those things are going to take place. Mm -hmm. But yet here at the very outset, it's almost like... You know, God is reminding all of the people here at the time that this book is written, and ultimately all of us as well, that we should never, ever, ever forget that then, for all time, and even now, God sits on this throne. It is a throne of power, it is a throne of sovereignty, it is a throne of control, it is a throne of authority, and no matter what may seem to be happening Mm -hmm. in the world around us, never lose sight of the fact that ultimately God remains on this throne. And it it is, you've made mention, it is a faith-building exercise for them and ultimately for us as well. And, you know, we we know that that kings and, and rulers in this time period... You know, their homes and their thrones, they were very elaborate. You know, there were some, I mean, you can go back just in the, the Roman history and you can see the depictions of some of the things that, you know, the rulers would build for themselves. They were very elaborate and very fancy. And, and, and yet the picture is they don't hold a candle to the throne of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing that mankind can construct can come close to what this is like. And, you know, the, the picture even in Ezekiel chapter 1, 
It talks about the, the throne of God and how it's constructed. I mean, it actually uses imagery that physically is not even possible. You know, wheels that can go in multiple directions at the same time. I mean, things that It's not even physically possible to do that. And I think that's the point. You look at the, some of these rulers of, of today's world and, and the, the, the limits that they go to to try and build themselves up and to make everything around them so elaborate and beautiful. And the point is that they're nothing when you compare them to the throne of God. I mean, God is the one who authorizes the laws of physics. He can break them if he so chooses in his, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. His, his throne and his presence and everything about him is so much greater than any kingdom or ruler that may be on this earth. And I think, so to your point, when you look at some of the things that the Christians are going through during this time, and we're going to go through uh, in this time frame, it gives them hope that no matter what challenges they may face with the Roman government, even us today, no matter what challenges we may face in our, in our world today, we serve a king who far exceeds anything that they could do, anything that they could build, anything that they could be. And I think that, again, is something that should give us a lot of hope and a lot of confidence in the God that we serve. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's no question about it. And that, that throne is the, is the key focus here and yeah. it, it is the key focus in Revelation 4 ultimately is the key focus you know to the entirety of the book of Revelation I, I think sometimes when we we're reading about Revelation we it, it is a fanciful book I mean mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and 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 sometimes I think we, we get we get too caught up on you know the picture of heaven that's kind of the description of it that's given to us late in the book of uh, you know streets of gold and yeah. you know those kinds of things well listen the thing that will make heaven and makes heaven spectacular and wonderful and beyond description it isn't the streets of gold or it isn't the the sea of crystal it's none of those things it is the one who sits on the throne mm-hmm. yeah. he is the one as we'll learn later in the book of revelation that provides the light he is the one that is the centralized focus and you're right it's you get the picture that that John as he's trying to describe what he sees I mean, even at the very beginning in verse 3, that, you know, the one who sat there was like a jasper, a sardius stone in appearance. There was a rainbow around the throne. I mean, we, we don't, there's just, we don't see rainbows around things. It's just, you see pieces of it, yeah. or it's just a half circle or whatever. I mean, around yeah. the throne, and the appearance was like an emerald. I mean, that's just one verse. Yeah. At the very beginning of the of John describing this scene for us, and it is, I, I think you're right. It, it is something that our human physical minds is just simply not able to grasp hold of. But this is this is what we have. Yeah. We have this. Yeah. We have Ezekiel chapter one. We have Isaiah chapter six to take us to a, as far as point as our minds can get to, mm-hmm. and then by faith we've got to say, and it is eternally past yeah. that even. Yeah. And I, I love you know you read you read verse three. I love how even in the description of what's 
what's being seen here, we also get this idea of, of who God is. And there are, there are things as we go through here, and again in Ezekiel chapter 1 as well, where we get these images of, of not only the, the amazing things that are seen, uh, but it also helps build on the character and the nature of God himself. I think even right here in, in chapter in verse 3, where we talk about the rainbow surrounding his throne, I mean, I think obviously the point there is he wants us to go back and to think about Genesis and after mm-hmm. the flood and he wants us to be reminded of the one that is sitting on this throne is a God who is faithful to his promises and he wants us to remember that and so in the awe of what we are seeing we're also being able to build on our understanding of who God is and his nature and his characteristics he is a God who is faithful to his promises and that is seen in the description of his throne I think that's a that's an amazing thing I mean the Bible is just an amazing literary piece in general but when you see something like this not only are we being able to challenge our minds imaginations but we're also being able to be reminded of God's promises and God's nature and his characteristics as a faithful God. I think it's amazing how he does both of those things simultaneously here as, as he's describing this throne scene, and he's also building on our understanding of who God is. Yeah, and, and he's using, I mean, he's trying to engage all of the senses, mm-hmm. you know, even in a lot of ways. We've talked about the very visual, you know, things that we have there specifically in verse 3, but even in verse 5, he talks about even the audible things. This is not what's emanating from the 24 elders on Mm -hmm. the thrones or the four living creatures. We'll talk about them here in just a moment. But that's not, but he he says there in verse verse 5, from the throne preceded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Now, we'll talk about the voices of the other people that are around Uh the throne, but he says, from the throne, there's lightning and thunderings and voices that's emanating. And I mean, it is, and we've used this word already, and we'll probably use it again, it's just an overwhelming thing to consider Mm -hmm. God on his throne. John invited up to take a look, Ezekiel the same way, Isaiah the same way, and in essence, I mean, we, I was going to save this towards the very end, but I don't want to lose our time for it. Ultimately, that's exactly where where we are. I mean, yeah. that's where, you know, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 4, I mean, he, he, he says that specifically, that because of Jesus and the sacrifice that, that, he said, that he's made, he says, listen, let us therefore come boldly. Mm-hmm. To the throne of grace. I mean, is this a picture of something that you want to come boldly? I mean, <laughs> this could be a frightening thing. Oh, yeah. But for the Christian, now the invitation is there that this, this very throne is where we are able to go and to offer what we need, what we're thinking about, and we mm-hmm. that invitation is there all the time. And so we've got to hold what we see in Hebrews chapter 4 with what we see in Ezekiel 1 and Revelation 4, and it will give us a really strong point about the significance of what Jesus has made available, yeah. Jesus made available to us. I, you made a, a lot of good points there. One, one of them being on the, the frightening aspect of this. You know, the, the lightnings and thunderings, that, that exact same language is used in Exodus chapter 19 to describe the scene at Mount Sinai. Yeah. 
and, and and you can read about how the people wanted nothing to do with that mountain. <laughs> no, they no. were scared to death of that mountain because they understood the presence of God was there, and it was made known to them both in the things that they saw and in the things that they heard. And they were terrified of that mountain. They wanted to stay as far away from it as they could. And I think that that helps us again understand this idea of of God's presence is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. In so many ways, and it can have some very terrifying elements to it, and and rightfully so. As the judge, you know, it, we're instructed throughout Scripture to have a, a righteous fear of God as our judge, to understand His power and His abilities in that sense. But then you bring in passages like Hebrews chapter four and what we see here, and and the idea that we're getting is that God is all powerful. And yet he welcomes us mm-hmm. to his throne yeah. as children of his, as people who are who are obedient to him. He, he makes us righteous so that we can approach his throne with confidence. And we can see it as a blessing and a, and a hope to be able to approach his throne as a, compared to the fearful expectation that the people of Israel had when they recognized God's presence on the mountain. Our, our response to that can be much different. We recognize God as an all-powerful God, and yet we understand that He is welcoming us into His presence. Man, that is awesome to even think about, that this this all-powerful God is opening the door for me to come in and to approach His throne. That is an amazing thing to think about. Uh, it, it, it is. I mean, it is overwhelming to think about I mean we'll throw that yeah. word out there again. Uh, it, it is. And when, when you it's just you know, especially, the, I mean, the entirety of the book of Hebrews, it just, you read a passage like this in Revelation 4, and it just seems foolish and silly to ever take for granted what Jesus has made available to us. Yeah. No question salvation, no question reconciliation with God, but yet still allowing this opportunity to come before this throne with boldness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it should give us every time we pray, every time we worship, I think that's you know certainly the direction we'll go here in the next couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is this God that we worship. And, and to not take for granted, or in certainly maybe a better word, not to take lightly mm-hmm. those opportunities that we have to worship this God. Yeah. And that's to your point. I mean, that's that's the idea. Even the even the creatures surrounding the throne, that's what they're doing constantly. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're constantly worshiping. And that's that's the exact same imagery that Isaiah sees when he approaches the throne in Isaiah chapter 6 are these creatures that surround the throne of God in constant worship of Him. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing to think about that one day we too have the opportunity to be in the presence of God forever and to worship Him for all of eternity. That's the natural response to being in the presence of God is to fall on your face and to worship Him. Mm-hmm. That nothing else can be done when, when in the presence of God but to worship Him. I think to your point, when you, you referenced the, the, the verse there in Hebrews chapter 4, that's when, when we get that opportunity as, as Christians, even while on this earth, to approach the throne of God in prayer, our response should always be to worship Him. Right. 
because we recognize we're being given an opportunity to approach the Creator, to approach this amazing scene that's being described for us here. And our natural response to that should be always to worship Him for who He is as this omniscient, all-knowing God who created everything. Our, our, our natural response to that must be to fall on our face in worship. Yeah, I, I think you, you made mention uh, towards the very beginning of our discussion this morning that you know sometimes we can read a passage like this and again we've made mention of Ezekiel chapter 1 very similar to this that it, 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 it's a danger to get wrapped up I think in what all of these things mm-hmm. are what all of these things represent I think there can be some good in trying to you know piece some of that together and I think some of that can be pieced together but if we only are focusing on that we're losing sight of what revelation 4 is about yeah and you have this picture given to us, you know, there in verse 4 about, you know, these 24 elders that are sitting on their own thrones in white robes with crowns on their heads. I mean, that's, you know, something kind of that we can picture. But then John paints a picture of around the throne are these four creatures, and he describes them in in ways that make it difficult. Ezekiel does much the same way in describing, you know, similar creatures there, you know, around the throne and they've got eyes all around and they've got wings and it's, you know, you try to, you know, picture all of that and you can Google image and yeah. find all kinds of different, you know, renderings. But when we do that, we we can in no way lose sight about what these incredible creatures to even imagine in of themselves what they're doing yeah that you know john is seeing probably these four living creatures who are undescribable even for him but yet these creatures are found worshiping day and night forever and ever the one who sits on the throne and it is full focus upon him when you get into chapter five you know really as this scene kind of unfolds and you know the one on the throne is holding the scroll and no one can seemingly open it but yet the one the lamb jesus he's the one that can that can open it. And then you have there in verse 11 of, of chapter 5 where, you know, the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures that were talked about in chapter 4, the elders that were talked about there in chapter 4. But then John says uh, the number of them, 10,000s times 10,000s and thousands and thousands. I mean, you, you can't, it's an undescribable number. And yet all of them are doing one thing worshiping God. And I think that brings us, you know, to maybe the point we like to picture lots of things about heaven. Certainly our culture turns it into a cliche in a lot of ways. You know, they're going to have the best fishing spots and they're going to have, you know, it's, you'll never get a bad food, you know, and have, I mean, you know, we have all those cliches, but the reality of this passage here and and Ezekiel one and Isaiah chapter six if you don't enjoy worshiping God and you're not all about that here, yeah. heaven's not going to be a place for you. Mm-mm. I mean, it just isn't because that's what heaven's all about. Yeah. Heaven is all about worshiping the one on the throne. And if you're not all about worship here, Mm-hmm. It, it, heaven's not going to be a spot for you because it's not going to be about the greatest fishing places and the greatest golf courses. Yeah. It's going to be about worshiping the one on the throne. And it's going to be spectacular and it's going to be glorious, but it should in every way have an impact on our worship even here because it is still us going before the throne. And I think that should challenge us to try and distinguish between those physical pleasures that we enjoy while here on earth 
and the spiritual nature of God. The, the physical pleasures here on earth, in similar to what we were talking about earlier, in the physical kingdoms here on earth don't hold a candle to the, the spiritual kingdom of God. The physical pleasures here on earth don't hold a candle to the spiritual pleasures that God has waiting for us. And so to your point, we need to find the, the pleasure. We need to find um, time for and a desire to worship and to help uh, cultivate the understanding that the spiritual pleasures that God has waiting for us, we can find joy and comfort in those right now. And that builds on the hope that one day we'll get to experience that forever. We need to be able to distinguish between the temporary nature of these physical pleasures we can enjoy them while we're here on earth but prioritizing the spiritual because that's where eternity lies is in the spiritual and so when we see this 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 scene depicted here what we see is this awesome opportunity that awaits us one day to worship god endlessly with these thousands upon thousands of elders and these creatures that surround the throne, we too are going to have an opportunity to worship God endlessly one day. That's the spiritual pleasures that await us one day that, again, the physical pleasures can't hold a candle to. Yeah, and and I think there's a temptation to try to equate those to what heaven is going to be. And and I think, I'm trying not to oversimplify things, but heaven's going to be spectacular simply because that's where God is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the end of the discussion. Heaven will be spectacular because that's where God is. Yeah. And when we can really wrap our minds around that, it, it, it'll have a profound impact on the way that we pray. Mm-hmm. It'll have a profound yeah. impact on the way that we worship, mm-hmm. the way that we praise Him in song. I mean, it's going to have a profound impact on even the way that we look at heaven. Yeah. Heaven will be spectacular because it's where God is. I, you know, I, we're getting... Uh, down to it, but in Philippians chapter one, when when Paul is almost having that discussion with himself about, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if 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 I were to die, he's writing this letter from prison. If I were to die, that that'd be okay with me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know there's a lot of still good for Christ that I can do alive, but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna die, so be it. Yeah. But I think it's interesting the way he talks about that in verse 23 of chapter one, where he says that you know I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. That, that Paul is not focused on the streets of gold, right. or he's not focused on the mansions in heaven. Mm-hmm. He's focused on I'm. I'm going to be in heaven, and it's going to be spectacular because that's where Christ is. Yeah. And if we can grab hold of that mentality, man, it, it, it can have a pretty big impact for sure. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. This is a, a great conversation. 30 minutes went by really fast this morning. Uh, but hopefully this is maybe giving you something to, to think about and ponder on and study uh, yourself. So thank you for, for taking some time to, to think through some of these things with us. We certainly want to invite you to come and worship with us. If you have an opportunity to do so, we meet Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m. followed by worship at 10 a.m. Please come and join us if you can. You can also follow along on Facebook and our website, traderspointchurch.org as well. So thanks again for your time this morning, and we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.